0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: I'll be a better Christian focused on me and the Lord than I will be focused on you and the Lord. That you can't become my focus. I can be a brother to you. I can encourage you in the Word. I can point you in a direction. I can't live for you, so I can't get involved beyond that point I have to back off and say let me continue to make sure I'm walking with the Lord so maybe you've been stumbled in that area maybe you over emphasize someone else and they caused you to become distracted to your own walk today for you should be a day where you put the focus back on you, you know what, I'm gonna focus on my walk with the Lord
0: is your focus on someone else's relationship with God getting in the way of your salvation in today's edition of a transforming word Pastor Bill talks about how our focus needs to be on our own walk with the Lord. It is so easy to get caught up in making sure someone else is doing well with the Lord that we lose sight of our own. We cannot effectively share Christ if our connection with Him is on the back burner. As we go out and share the gospel, our emphasis needs to be on our relationship with Him. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 14. For today's edition... Of a transforming word.
1: We just see throughout the New Testament that man, every time I see the church gathering and it tells me the day, it's on the the Lord's Day, first day of the week, first day of the week. So that was when they were having their church gathering. But we know that from Acts 2, they were gathering in addition to Sunday. So they were going from house to house, having fellowship. They were at this sister's house for prayer. They were at Peter's mom's house for something else. So it wasn't just a Sunday thing. So for New Testament believers, we're kind of liberated, right? There is is there a one day? that's holier than another day. I hope y'all don't get extra holy for Sunday and then Monday show up to work and it's, the Holy Spirit done left you. you know, I, I, hope that, I hope this isn't your best. I hope you don't show up here and Sunday, no cussing at the kids, no, you know, no disrespecting at the Sunday. It's the Lord's day. I hope that you don't have that mindset and then come Monday, you wake up at midnight and you acting a fool again. You know, Every day is the same, right? I belong to the Lord all day, every day. Jesus is Lord all day, every day. And we can worship him all day, every day. But back here, it was an issue. You have people coming saying, No, you guys are not doing on Saturday. Saturday is the Lord's day. You guys are working and doing stuff on Saturday. I don't do, you know, should we feel guilty if maybe you have a job that requires you to work on Sunday? Are you sinning? Are you sinning? No. Go to a Sunday night service. Go to church Monday somewhere. Right. We're not bound in that way. Right. We're liberated to worship when we want, how we want. So we're not bound up like that. It's not like someone my job saying I got to work on Sundays. Oh, no, brother, brother, you need to leave that job. Brother, that's a people do that to one another and they, they really stumble them up and people are like, wow, that my job, maybe it's not going to look Then they'd be at unemployment and they may be broke. I mean, like, you should have kept that job, <laughs> went on to work, took you behind the work Sunday and found you another day to go to church. But Anyway, we don't want to be bound up like that. That's legalism. Right. That's that's so not what Jesus wanted. And even as you read through the Gospels, when you find the legalistic people, they were always in God's way. They were always getting in. Jesus would do something amazing. It was a guy with a withered hand. His hand was deformed. And Jesus said, hey, stretch forth your hand. And the guy stretched. and was healed. It was fixed. Perfect. And you know what the religious people said? The legalistic people said? It's a Sabbath day. You you can't. You worked on the Sabbath. They couldn't even appreciate the miracle because he did it on the Sabbath. I, you know, I I was Jesus, I, there was a time and time place to slap some people. That just seemed like one of them places that they can't even appreciate a, a miraculous move of God because the day he did it on. And so we don't want to be those people. Right. We don't want to be like that when we miss out. I got a friend of mine, pastor of church. There's a place that was an adult bookstore. So this is a place where people had for years gone in there to ruin their lives, and ruin their families and, you know, watch pornography and whatever else they sold in there. That place got shut down and they said, you know, we're going to take this place and do there's an outreach they do every year called a glimpse of hell. And they were they rented them out the facility. They turned it into a glimpse. Like people are getting a glimpse of with all the things the Bible says about hell. They get a glimpse of it. And at the very end, the gospel was presented to people. So, and every year they do this, and hundreds of people get saved through it. Because kids come out because they're like, it's, it's Halloween night. I want to go to a scare. I want to go get scared. And they're like, come get the hell scared out of you. And they, <laughs> they invite them. That's the invite. Come to the glimpse of hell. And they go, and, and you're watching the videos afterwards of kids like standing outside crying, like they're broken and they're saved. And I'm thinking, like, I'm, I'm so pumped that he took this place that was used for sin. Now the church is in there building and putting it together. And you know what the religious people did? All over Facebook. I don't think the church should have nothing to do with they're just putting them down. I'm like, they're doing a work for God. And I'm looking at the videos after 800 kids have been through by 10 o'clock. And this many people have been saved. And there's a line of 150 around the corner still getting ready to go through to where after Friday, they did it. They did it again Saturday. All my all my people are hoarse. I need new people to come serve inside to do the thing. But people are getting saved all night. Religious people came in. Supposed Christians can't even appreciate that because it's Halloween, it's the Devil's Day. Ain't no day the Devil's Day. Read your Bible. The Devil don't have a day, right? Unless you give him the day. So I'm gonna leave that alone. But I, you know, he don't have a day. He don't have nothing that you don't forfeit and give him. So the Lord's day is every day. Amen. Let's keep moving. All right. <laughs> All right. So it says again, and we read through this, but. He who who observes the day, he observes it to the Lord. He does not, God said, it doesn't matter to me, right? If you worship me, whatever day you choose, if you observe it, do it as unto me. If you don't observe it, don't observe it as unto me. God's not really concerned about what day you do it on, so neither should we be. So we should be relaxed about that. If I'm with a believer that's, I I could fellowship with somebody that worship on Saturday. Do we believe Jesus is God? He died on the cross, He rose again. We can have, we family, we can have fellowship. I'm not worried about the fact that you do it on Saturday. There should be liberty in that, that we're not really tripping off of those things. We should be able to celebrate the bigger picture. But we don't want to become that other group where it's like, well, we do it on Sunday, the Lord's Day. See that in the New Testament? Most of the time when they get was the Lord's Day, you miss it by a day. I don't I'm not going to be that guy. I recognize that that's when they were doing it. But I'm not going to be the guy saying that because of that now, because he didn't command us to do it on the Lord's Day. New Testament got liberty. I could do it on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, seven days a week. We can do this. And some churches do. Most churches I know, they they're got something going on almost every day of the week. Every day the Lord's doing something in there. That's a healthy church, I think. I think what a waste. When I see churches that just open on Sunday, I think, what a waste of the facility. I mean, just do something Monday. Do minister to, I mean, gangsters on Monday and, you know, something. <laughs> just find something to do every night of the week, man. Let that place be used. But. There is no one day set apart for the Lord or for his work. Every day is the Lord's day for us. New Testament believers moving on. Now, look at verse 10. But why do you judge your brother or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And this is the Paul says. look, you know, why do you judge your brother or show contempt? Don't you know that we all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day? Right one day. Now, let me explain the judgment seat of Christ in the Greek. That word judgment seat here is the Bema seat of Christ. This is different than the Revelation 20 great white throne judgment. What happens to everybody at the great white throne judgment? They all go to hell, right? Nobody at the great white throne judgment is saved. They're all it's just the final step before the lake of fire. They all are standing before God. Their names are not in the book of life. The deeds that they have done against God are spoken against them. Like in a court hearing, you're guilty and they're thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. It's a wrap. So for the Christian, for the believer, we're not going to see the great white throne judgment. Amen. Amen. And I'm glad about it. Read it in Revelation. when You don't want to be there. But we get to go to the the Bema seat judgment. What he's talking about here. This judgment is more like what you would see at the Olympics when after the athletes have done whatever it is. They go to the judgment seat and they're figuring out, are you getting first place, second place, third place? What reward are you receiving for what you've done? That's what the Bema seat judgment is for believers. Where We're going to stand before God and give an account for our lives and what we've done with our gifts, our time, our talents, our stewardship. And some things that we've done are rewardable. Where God will say, there's eternal reward for that that you did right there. Some things that we did with our motives were wrong because y'all know you can do the right thing for the wrong reason. Everybody know that? OK, so God says, so everybody else may think you're great. He's such a man of God. And God's like, Nah, I saw the motive. The motive was nasty. And anybody here that's ever done the right thing for the wrong reason? God said, I saw it. everybody thought you did the right thing. But I saw that stinky heart. And those things are wood, hay and stubble. they just burn up. No reward for that. But the things that you did out of a right motive with a right heart before the Lord, those things are rewardable. And they the rewards are eternal, which is significant where Jesus taught his disciples, hey, don't store up treasure on earth where moth and dust corrupt, where thieves break in and steal, but rather store up treasure in heaven where it never's going to be taken away. So if we live this life on earth, which is temporary, what our eyes and our minds and our hearts on heaven, we can send ahead. We can be every day you have the opportunity to store treasure in heaven through sacrificial service, through an obedient life, through just doing things the way that God would have you to do them where it won't be taken away, where it'll be there for all eternity. And I believe God wants that to be a motivation for us. You know, that he's, he's the one that said that. You know, store, he said, store up your treasure in heaven where it's going to be forever, where you can have it for all eternity. And so some people get mixed up and they start storing all their treasure down here on earth, but you can't take none of that with you. So if you're down here on earth like a chipmunk storing up treasure down here, when you die, they're going to fight over it. You know, it's going to burn. It's, it's, ultimately, this, it's all going to burn. It's going to be left behind. You want to be storing it up ahead. You want to spend the best of your life your resources, your energy, your effort, focus on eternity, where you're going to spend eternity. And so here he says, don't you know, you busy judging everybody around you, don't you know you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Bill, I'm going to be before the judgment. I, I got to worry about me. How am I doing, Lord? I got to get that between me and the Lord. My focus can't be everybody else in terms of my walk with the Lord. God says, look, he said, the question was, why do you judge or show contempt? Why are you so, you know, bothered with what he's doing Don't you know you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? And so be mindful if you're a believer, find that you get way too bothered and upset about somebody else and what they're not doing right and lose sight of yourself and how you're living. That's not right. Know that that's one of the tactics of the enemy to get you to miss out on what God would have. It's very easy to do. Husbands and wives do it. You know, we could do it with our kids and we could do it with people around us in the church. When well, we start looking at what they're not doing right and we've been evaluating them and, and they didn't do that. And God's like, "Ding ding! don't you know that you're going to stand? You worried about him or her. We're about yourself. We're, we're about you and how you're doing because you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't miss out. Right. Don't miss out focusing on what you can't change. I can't change somebody else. I can't be bothered enough about what someone else is doing to change them. And you know how I know? Because I've been bothered before and you can be bothered to the bones and it's just I'm bothered. And they just do what they do. You can't do You can't can't impact change on someone else. They got to change before the Lord for themselves. So as believers, we can encourage, challenge, strengthen, give the word to one another. And you just leave it be. I still got to get back over here and worry about my walk with the Lord because I'm a work in progress and I won't be done till I get to heaven. I need to keep growing. So. When you have that mindset, it's a lot less likely that you're going to become critical or judgmental of others because it's like, I really don't have the time. Right. I, I saw that. Right? I, I realized that's not maybe the best. And I shared with you. I did the right thing, but I'm over. I got to get back. I'm doing that now. I'm back over here because I'm, I'm walking with the Lord myself and God's still speaking to me about things that he wants to do different in my heart, different in my life. And everybody here, I guarantee you this. If you spend time daily with God for yourself. Just daily. You'll be so encumbered with the things that God is challenging you about. You won't even have the energy. Right. When I have weeks where I'm like, man, I've really spent good time with the Lord. I become very. The closer I get to him, the more I wear I become of my own imperfections, my own things that need to be fixed. I don't have the energy to be focused on you like that. I'm over here repenting and praying for strength and, you know, really trying to walk in newness in some areas myself. But you know what? You get distant from the Lord. You you walk away from the, you, you get out of a regular devotional pattern in and intimate prayer life. You know what becomes really easy to do? I'm not even seeing me. I'm out of the mirror, but I'm looking at everybody else. I don't think she brushed her teeth. I don't think he combed his hair and he's just looking at everybody else and what they got wrong and you, you don't even see yourself looking bang, bedangled yourself, you know? So we got to be careful about that. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. A couple verses that you can write down in your notes. Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. I'm going to read it to you real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. And it says this, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will be clear, for the day will declare it Because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so as through the fire. And so that's what I was explaining in terms of your works, that some works done of right heart, right motive. God said there's a reward for that. And the reward is eternal. Other things that maybe weren't done with a right motive or a right heart, God said, those things are going to be burnt up. You know, it's not going to matter. And um, I remember at one point when I was a kid, at the neighborhood I grew up in, in the summertime, kids would get bored. And we had a whole bunch of boys, you know, within a few years of each other and boredom would take over. And we would ride our bike down to go to the dirt and ride, you know, ride our bikes in the dirt or whatever. And somehow... My block got into a beef with the kids on Chiera. we're all friends. We all grew up together, but there's a beef, and they're like, "You can't ride your bike down here to the dips." And you know, that's not going to fly in the summer. So we having little scuffles and fights and going back and forth. And, and it was my mom worked at home, so she did medical transcription, and she would work, she had a window, and she would see the scuffle happen, she'd run outside, and she just wanted it to stop. She wanted peace. And my mom would come out and try to make peace. Well, she did this, and it was, it was a fatal, fatal, it, it ruined the whole summer. My mom came out and said, you guys all come over here. And everybody's respectful to moms. Everybody came over, and she gave everybody popsicles. She gave them popsicles for fighting in front of the house. So every time they're bored and want a Popsicle, guess what? It became like clockwork. I'm like, I told my mom, stop doing that. Like, you just making it worse. Don't do that. It's, she never figured it out. She just, made, she just made that summer was bad, you know. It was all kind of unnecessary fights, people bored. You do it. You do it this time, you know, trying to get a Popsicle. And um, she meant well, you know, she was trying to make for peace. But. Understand that at that point, even there were times where she would come out and say, now you say sorry and you say sorry. And I didn't mean sorry. I'm like, I'm sorry, but we're going to catch. We're going to finish this back at the dirt. You know, we're going to go way away from my house and finish this off. You say sorry, but you didn't mean sorry that my motive was to get her off. Go back in the house and put away the popsicles, you know, so we can serve God like that, too, where our motive is not pure. It's something else motivating us, but we do the right thing. So we got to be careful because God. Like nobody else, he sees through. Right? Um, Hebrews four thirteen. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. The only one that knows really why I do what I do is Jesus, and so I want to be concerned with that. That He's looking beneath the surface. The other verse you could write down. Write down Second Corinthians chapter five verse ten, and I'll read that to you real quick. It says, "For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body." According to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The goal here, the focus, why this is in, in this in this section is don't focus so much on other people. Focus on yourself. We would all be better if we did that. I'll be a better Christian when I'm focused on me and Jesus. I'll be a better Christian focused on me and the Lord than I will be focused on you and the Lord. That you can't become my focus. I can be a brother to you. I can encourage you in the word. I can point you in a direction. I can't live for you. So I can't get involved beyond that point. I have to back off and say, let me continue to make sure I'm walking with the Lord. So maybe you've been stumbled in that area. Maybe you've over emphasized someone else and they've caused you to become distracted to your own walk. Today for you should be a day where you put the focus back on you. You know, I'm going to focus on my walk with the Lord. I'm going to pray for them but I'm gonna focus on my walk with the Lord because I'm going to stand before the Lord one day and understand the people you worried about won't be there. It's going to be you and the Lord. That's a one-on-one meeting. When I stand before the Lord, no one else will be there. I don't get to bring my wife or kids or friends or family or church members, just me giving an account for me, for the Lord. And so that's sobering. That's why I think it's important to spend time with God alone because in those times you spend with God alone that you're reminded that this is really between me and the Lord. This is intimate. It's a one-on-one relationship. I may Fellowship with some other people, and we may enjoy him together, but primarily, this is me and the Lord. We got I'm, I'm in a one on one relationship with the living God, and we don't want to lose sight of that. Look at verse 11 now. It says, For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. This is a quotation from Isaiah 45 23, and it's a reminder the Lord said, As I live, everybody's going to bow to me, everybody's going to be subject to me, bow to me at some point. Everyone's going to bow to me and every tongue is going to confess to God. Similar to what we see in Philippians. Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so even when I look at this and I'm looking at the fact that every knee is going to bow. Nobody, right? Everybody's going to humble them. What it does, it puts every believer in this humble position before God. So this is why I believe this is here. Why is he reminding me that one day we're all going to be humbled on our knees before the Lord? So that we would be humble before the Lord now. Right. That I would humble myself before the Lord. Now, when I think of even as we're going to celebrate communion, when I think of the cross and everybody here is a sinner and everybody here needed what Jesus did on the cross, who gets to come to the cross in pride? Nobody. We all come humbly to the cross. We all come sorry. We all come broken. We all come knowing that we have guilt. We all come knowing that he did for me what I could never do for myself. Everybody shows up at the cross humbled, And so we want to keep that. That's why God tells us to do this regularly. Have communion. Remember how you got to come before me. Remember what I did for you, that I'm the big deal, right? You're the needy one. I'm the provision. It's not the other way around. I haven't somehow become the provision. I'm not a big deal. Jesus is the big deal. And sometimes we start feeling like we're a big deal, but we're not. And so we want to keep that in mind that Jesus is the big deal and to keep us humble it'll keep us in a right perspective. it will keep me in a worshipful attitude. It'll keep me humble in my heart. And from humility, we can minister better to other people in need too, right? When I'm humbled in my own brokenness, I'm in a better place to minister to somebody else that's struggling. You do it in humility. You do it in gentleness. Moving on. Look at verse 12. So then each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. So here we go. We're getting we're getting kind of to the resolution of everything. He says, all right. So we've concluded that we're all going to give an account of ourselves to God. It's really a personal thing between us and God. So then in love for each other, let's make sure that we don't judge one another anymore and that we don't put a stumbling block. Right. I don't want to spend my time judging, condemning you and, you know, putting you aside because we don't agree on some non-essential. Notice these are not sin issues. Again, these are non-essential things. And I also want to make sure that I don't put a stumbling block in front of you. What does he mean by that? Well, we talked about two things. We talked about the eating. And so it would be like this. If I have someone that they're the weaker brother and they just I don't do meat. I just the way they do the cows. Do you see those? They send you the videos and they're killing the chickens. And I've had people do this to me. You know, I'm a pastor. I don't know. Look at how they treat the animals. They abuse them and they kill them. And they, I, I know. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, if I can afford a farm fresh, I get a farm fresh, you know, but they, you know, if they come to my house and they so I'm because of this, I'm vegetarian. And these people come to my house. They're my brother and sister in Christ. And they come to my house. And they feel strongly about these things. It would be wrong. For me to be like, I come out to the barbecue pit, let me, show you, let me show you what I got out there on this thing. Well, I got some some chicken legs, some rib tip, and it would be wrong. It would be unloving at that point. I would stumble him. So if they're coming over, the loving thing to do would be, you know what, let, let's let's get a vegan recipe and like just bless him. Let's make some good old, you know, I mean, you know, <laughs> oh you know. What you, let's do some good old vegan something, you know. I'm gonna get on the internet and find a a good vegan meal, you know. That would be more loving than to say, I'm going to just do me. You know, that would be that's loving them. That's not I'm not. I don't want to stumble you at my house. So y'all came over. We we, we love Jesus together. So if, if I eat one meal of this, I have some ribs when you go home. But we're going to eat this vegan meal together and I'm not going to put a cause of stumbling in front of you. That's really what we're being called upon to do. Just love each other. Love somebody enough to realize that, you know what, that might be offensive. So I'm going to remove that. I'm not going to do that. So it's not a matter of I don't have to, but in love for them and recognizing that that's just how they get down. That's what they are. It don't make them unsaved. I'm going to just put my suit on and go over there and preach the word. Right. It would be unloving for me to insist upon my own way. I'm going to go over there and just do what I do. That wouldn't be loving to them. These aren't sin issues. Right. These are irrelevant things. I could do it or not do it. So that's what God is calling upon us. That um, if you can get the heart of the chapter. God just saying, would you guys love each other more? Love each other. Care about one another. Like, like genuinely, deeply be concerned for the Christians and the people around you.
0: You've been listening to Pastor Bill Bovington and A Transforming Word. We know you didn't have to come today. You could have turned off this message and moved on to the news or to a talk show. But you chose to stay. You chose to invest your time in learning more about the Word of God with us. In this series, Pastor Bill is making his way through the Book of Romans. In Romans 8, 6, we read, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. You didn't have to stay today, but it might be the best decision you could have made. On the news, you could have encountered plenty of death, but here, we're able to set our minds on the spirit together discovering the life and peace that He brings. And we have more opportunities for you to set your mind on the Spirit. Why wait for the next edition of A Transforming Word? On our website, you'll find a daily Bible reading plan, links to our YouTube channel, and our mobile app. You'll have hundreds of messages available to you at the touch of a finger. You'll also find ways to join in the work with us through giving and prayer. Our website is calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryenglewood.org. But there are other ways to find us too. We're on Instagram and Facebook. What better way to move your mind to the Spirit than to bring Him into your social media? As you can see, we have many ways to help you connect with God throughout your week. Oh yeah, and don't forget to come back here next time for a transforming word to transform your life.